show. The no make it show. Yeah, uh-huh. Clash momentarily for class solidarity. Cash circulating, give the masses back its currency. Greed from elites, oligarchs stay fed. Deep state, faith fed. Everybody break bread. Racism, homophobia, sexism, religion in this melted pot. We live in time to build a new system. Unionize labor rights. Highlight the issue. Talking heads left is best. The saga continues. Continues. The No Miki Show. Hello and welcome to the Nomi Key Show. I am Nomi Key Konst. And of course, that was our new music by the one and only Napoleon de Legend, who uh, totally understands my vibe. I don't know. He he was like, it just came to me. I'm I'm blown away. But uh, so we're doing a little bit of a different type of show today. I actually have to bow out a little bit early because life. Girls got a lot of jobs. So um, I will not be doing an opening today. We're going to go right into our interview with our main guest. We have a wonderful show today. Uh, we have Julie Oliver, who is here. Julie is, uh, she's a new organization out that she's leading. Uh, it's, it's, she's executive director of Register to Vote. It is a, 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 a new, hang on one second, Dorsey, I'm not ready for it. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't call her and I have a little promo to do. Um, see, this is what happens when we change our show up a little bit. Um, so, so Julie is our first guest. And then later on, we are going to have our panel with Brianna Westbrook, who is from Arizona. And she's going to be talking a little bit about what's happening in Arizona and fighting back and pushing back against Senator Kirsten Cinema. And then we have the host of the new show, Biting Commentary, Lauren Ashcraft. She ran for Congress in New York's 12th district. Um, all right. But before that, let's, uh, let's, let's talk about this book club because we've got a whole slew of interviews that are coming out for the book club. Uh, we are are in the midst of our April month, and we're about to uh, release a an interview. Uh, it's going to be probably next week with uh, the author of of uh, the Corona Crash. And I say that it's, this book was so easy and so smooth to read. Um, really, kind of blew me away. It. I mean, she also wrote it so fast. Basically, the effects of the coronavirus on the economy, how it's affected. Um, just ever, like it's, it's sort of like a disaster capitalism take on it. Grace Blakely is the author of it. Uh, we will talk to her and you'll be able to hear that. But if you're not a member of the book club, go check it out now. Go to patreon.com slash the Nomi Key Show. You can sign up. You can get one book a month. We mail it to you. Uh, two books a month. We mail them to you or four books a month. We mail them to you. And that is because we have this amazing partnership with Verso Books. Verso Books, of course, publishes a wide array of leftist books out there. Uh, we're so grateful. We always have their authors on the show and they've just been wonderful with their partnerships. So go check it out. All right. Julie Oliver is here. She is the executive director of this new organization called Register to Vote. Uh, she's a healthcare finance expert, excuse me. And she ran two, two 100% pack free campaigns for Texas's 25th district. Uh, running for Congress ain't easy. Running for office ain't easy. I know firsthand. So Julie, thank you for running first off. Um, I don't think people understand like how traumatizing it can be to run for office. So it's really, especially as a woman, especially as a progressive woman, not running with corporate money. So it's great to see you on the other side, uh, continuing to do advocacy. Well, thank you, Nomiki. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Uh, in fact, I just got off the phone with somebody who's running as a progressive in Florida. I was like, welcome to the club. <laughs> exactly. I mean, these the, the candidates this time around, I'm like, you've got some courage. Redistricting hasn't happened yet. That's that's some fierce courage there. It sure is. And in fact, there, 
there's a, a young lady here in Texas who um, is running in the Dallas area. I love her. I just adore her. And um, I'm like, it is, it's very courageous to want to do this. I've had a couple of people reach out to me asking if I was going to run again. No, no, thank you. Just Um, a break. (laughs) I I know I get that too. It's like, I need, I need to breathe. I need to, to move on. But I mean, it, it just as this is Fridays, we have women on it's um, we're inclusive of all women. We like to have conversations about issues that are related to women and from the voices of women, partly because um, it, we've noticed there is more difficulty in booking women guests, um, very similar to running for office. Uh, we have to ask several times. Women will often say, well, I'm not an expert on that. I'm like, well, you got a PhD on it. And they're like, well, no, but it was actually this sliver of the thing. And I'm like, I could literally call up any man and they'll be like, I will absolutely talk for an hour about quantum physics and know nothing about it. <laughs> um, so it's we, we dedicate the show, and it can be tough booking, um, on Fridays to to elevating women's voices. And there's a similarity and overlap as, as I'm sure you know the statistics, it takes a woman seven or eight times to be asked to run for office before she decides. Uh, so, you know, hopefully we'll shift this space soon enough, but um, again, thank you for running. So let's let's talk about this, this new organization. Uh, you are the executive director of an organization called Register to Vote mm-hmm. with a two, um, all one word. Uh, I think we have, we're given what's going on in Georgia. I think folks are fully aware of, of the power of getting people registered, but what, what inspired you to get involved with this organization in particular? So, you know, it's so funny. This is actually an organization that started, um, in 2018, late, uh, maybe the second half of 2018. And I met the guy who started it by block walking and canvassing for my 2018 run for Congress. And he swings open the door and he goes, points at me because I've been wanting to talk to you. And initially I was like, oh my God, what did I do to offend this person? And then I think he saw my face and he was like, oh, he goes, I'm so sorry. He's like, no, I'm just so excited to talk to you. I want to tell you about this idea I have to help people get registered to vote in Texas and get around our, you know, Jim Crow era voter suppression, even not even voter suppression, just not even being able to get registered to vote um, without being deputized in a county to do that. So Texas has these, and I thought everybody did this. Apparently, no, it's just Texas. Um, Texas and now Tennessee. Tennessee followed us um, a little bit later. But in order to get somebody registered in Texas and take that signed form from them where they put their name, their address, um, the fact that they check the box that they're a citizen, you know, really, really complicated things. You have to be deputized in a county to take that voter registration form for somebody. And if you take a signed form and you're not deputized in the county in which they live, we have 254 counties, by the way. So if you want to get somebody registered all over Texas, you have to be deputized in them. It's a state jail felony. So um, his idea for getting around that, and it is a nonpartisan product, so anybody can go online and look at it, but it's um, a website called Register to Vote. You don't even have to download an app. But it will check to see if you're registered. And if not, what it would do is you start putting in your information, your name, your address, um, your uh, the, you check the box that you're a U.S. citizen, and a form will get mailed to you. You don't have to have a printer. Uh, you don't have to have postage. You don't have to have an envelope. It's all donor supported. So it's free completely to, to anybody who wants to use this. And actually, you can use it anywhere in the United States, but it was developed to specifically address Texas uh VDR laws, the voter deputy registrar laws. And it's it's really remarkable because 
the only person who touches that signed form is the voter himself or herself until Texas makes that illegal too. But um, so, so for right now, it's a fabulous tool and we can get people registered to vote at scale by mail. We can actually find folks who have moved and not yet updated their voter registration forms and send them a pre-completed form. All they have to do is sign it and mail it back in. Again, everything is provided. And I just was so excited to meet this guy and I was so excited to stay connected with him. And so he said, Julie, would you like to be the executive director of this? And I said, you bet I do. So I, let me get this right. Um, if you have to change your address, right, you still have to deal with someone who's deputized. Yes, um, unless you okay. unless you can go online and get a voter registration form yourself and print it out yourself and, and fill it out and mail it in. Um, yeah, almost all voter registration happens through these deputies who have to take a one-hour course every oh other God. year. Yeah, and again, you have to, you know. Uh, there are some counties that are more hesitant to allowing reciprocity, even though they're supposed to under state law. Um, some counties that make it very challenging to go to the county and say, hey, I've already taken this course in Travis County. Can I get deputized in Bell County? I see what you're saying. I'm sorry, we're, we're not open for that today. You know, and so it is, Texas has been just a, a, a state, and I know Georgia has gotten a lot of attention and rightfully so, but I want to remind people that right now our state legislature is meeting and we have introduced the most uh, voter suppression laws out of any state in the union. I think 49 out of the over wow. 200 bills that have been introduced this legislative session have been introduced in Texas and with a high likelihood of passage because Republicans control the House, the Senate, and obviously uh, the governor is, is Governor Abbott. So there's a high likelihood that we will be following suit and getting these laws signed in very soon. Where did these laws come from? Um, how far back are they? I, I mean, and, and also are people fairly familiar with them in Texas? No, I think people aren't familiar. I mean, you know, we could spend a whole hour talking about education in Texas and, and civics in Texas, but that's not something that's prioritized in, in learning. But most people aren't aware of that in Texas. And um, so some of them go back truly to Jim Crow era. Voter registrar uh, laws date back to that era because the white Republican, or I shouldn't even say white Republicans because it's probably white Democrats back then, white people in Texas did not want black voters to get registered in their churches. So you'd make it very inconvenient that somebody would have to go to the voter registrar's office typically one day at a very inconvenient time and get deputized. Um, and so then you, you can effectively neutralize, you know, getting tons of people registered to vote at a gathering. Um, some of the, the laws that we have that are, that are likely to pass this time are clearly in response to Trump losing. And so if Republicans can rig the system in favor of themselves and uh, ensure that there's a limited electorate that can vote, that is eligible to vote, um, they're going to do that. And, uh, you know, that way that they can ensure that they hold their clusters of power in the states. Um, are you familiar with some of these laws? Could you kind of yeah. explain what's what's happening right now? Absolutely. Yeah. Okay, so we have a House bill. It's called House Bill 6 in Texas. The Senate version is Senate Bill 7. And um, Senate Bill 7 would limit the hours of early voting. So currently we have about two weeks of early voting before Election Day. And historically it's been from 7 to 7, but every county was able to set their own early voting hours. 
Houston, Harris County decided to have 24 hour voting centers so that folks who worked odd hours and seven to seven didn't work for them could go vote at a time that was convenient. Well, they would do away with that. So voting um, at 7 p.m. or being in line to vote at 7 p.m., they are couching it in terms of, um, you know, voter safety or uh, election security, election integrity. But if you stand in line at 7.01 p.m., totally a fraudulent election. Okay, so that's what was confusing to me. It's like, what's their excuse? What's their argument? Okay, you've answered it. Nothing. Um, <laughs> what other whatever crazy uh, uh, laws are being presented right now? So one of them would uh, require the same number of voting machines at every election site within a county. So again, some of the big cities being mindful that we were in a pandemic had super voting centers. So they would, you know, lease out, um, you know, uh, basketball courts or gymnasiums or convention centers and put a bunch of machines in there so people could really be spaced out. But also they could shorten the lines because if you have 50 machines or 100 machines in a location instead of two or four, um, you're going to be able to work through the lines much more quickly. And Harris County was one of the worst in, in Texas. In 2018, people were standing in line for seven, eight, nine hours. And so if you have to require the same number of machines at every location, you are going to be increasing uh, the duration of wait in certain pockets of counties. And so again, it typically harms the, the communities of color, um, the working class community. It's never as harmful to the um, more wealthy, the, the wider communities. It's, it's definitely meant to disenfranchise a certain segment of, the, of our of communities. Um, are there any other laws? Let's just go through the that list you remember. Well, there's one that was introduced that would um, require all machines and all machine parts, including subcomponents, including screws to be manufactured in the United States. No reason for it. Why does a screw have to be manufactured in the United States? There's another one that will require the Secretary of State to validate any everybody's, everybody's citizenship. So checking the box, attesting to and signing that you are a US citizen will no longer count. The Secretary of State is charged with being able to prove that before you can even get registered to vote. So you can imagine how difficult and onerous that's going to be. We already have voter registration cutoff uh, dates of 30 days before an election. So if you move to Texas, let's say 28 days before an election, you will not be able to vote in Texas. So um, this is adding a layer of uh, bureaucracy. You know, Republicans always claim to love small government, but this is going to make uh, an incredibly bureaucratic process. Um, it's going to be lengthy. There's no reason for it. They're going to start doing audits of currently registered voters to ensure that we are all citizens. And I will say as a candidate, I, I had older folks reach out to our campaign who wanted to vote in person. They're like, I have no form of ID. I don't even, I haven't driven for 20 years because I'm a senior citizen and I don't have a clue where my birth certificate is. So um, to be able to have to prove out and, and now with uh, vote by mail and typically that's only been uh, folks who are seniors, obviously the military, folks who aren't going to be in their voting location or their county on election day. Um, it's very limited to how you can vote by mail, but you're going to have to send your ID to the county elections office to be able to even complete a ballot to vote by mail or an application to vote. A copy of your ID. No, 
your actual ID has to go, your, a, a real form of your ID has to be put in there. I was like, have you ever applied for a passport? You know how to yeah, yeah, send in original documentation? But this the passport the is, is <laughs> right. done. And then you take your old pass, and then they take it. Yeah. But it doesn't, it's not something that you, the, the expired passport can't be used. You got to drive. <laughs> so they want original, what? they want the original of your, to prove who you are. It, it's, it's absolutely insane. They will not take copies. That is actually written to, into the legislation. They will not take copies. So, um, you know, I, I guess I, I just had a call with somebody in Florida and I said, I guess I'm grateful that they haven't yet picked up on it. The fact that, um, you know, it's okay to, well, it's not okay, but they've allowed uh, folks to drive through protesters in Florida without civil or criminal liability. It is unreal. So I'm, I'm grateful, I guess, that Texas hasn't gotten that barbaric, but um, I wouldn't put it past them. There's still over a month. No, I guess roughly a month left of our legislative session. So anything's possible. I so that's the package. <laughs> that's the package, right? Yeah. That's who's, the package. Who's funding this? Are there, uh, is this a Koch brother thing? Are there other folks who are putting money into this? Honestly, I think, um, you know, I, I don't know. I know that there are, there are corporations um, that have funded the individual legislators, although mm. many of them have come out and said, hey, we aren't in favor of these voter suppression laws. Many really? of them have come out and said that. I Republicans. That, yeah, Repub um, I actually, just corporations. They're like, we are Oh, not the corporations aren't in, got it, got it, got it, got it. Okay. Now, if they're truly against these voter suppression laws, then they need to stop funding these uh, campaigns of people who are authoring and passing these laws. So put your money where your mouth is and ensure that you put enough pressure on them to defeat these laws. 2017, we had a horrible uh, bill go through uh, the Senate. It was called the bathroom bill. And it was going to make sure that uh, bathrooms were assigned by, you'd be committing a, a criminal offense if you went, if you were, had male anatomy and went into a female bathroom, even though you identified as a female, um, it would make that a criminal offense. I tell you what, the NCAA said we will never hold another college tournament there, and the bill was killed. I wish the NCAA would come out um, strongly, you know, against these bills, these voter suppression bills, and say we're going to stop holding events in the states that are trying to disenfranchise voters. Yeah, it can't just be one state; it has to be all of them. And Alec has done an exceptional job investing in in legislatures across this country to make sure that you know there are two hundred over two hundred bills. Go ahead. Yeah, I, I, I'm sure Alec is probably behind. You know, there is clearly an agenda um, that Alec has, and it is to ensure that the you know, the puppet strings that they control over electeds um, stay that way. And so if you rig the game in their favor and keep people from voting, um, they stay in power. So and it's a really cynical view because it's so clearly anti-democratic. Um, I'm curious, what's what's happening with your gerrymandering uh, in, in Texas right now? We are in you know, we're, we're about to start redistricting the redistricting process if, if it's not already underway in Texas, but uh, who's handling the redistricting? That will be all um, Republicans who get to handle that. So it's, yeah, it'll be, very, it'll be an interesting normal. session. Yeah, very, very normal. And, you know, you know, they, they gerrymandered so um, in, in like with surgical precision in 2011, and I'm sure it's going to be even more, um, more like micro surgery because they will have the tools to be able to do that. 
You know, Austin, which is this progressive city, was carved into six congressional districts, even though it can, at the time could only support one congressional district, but it, they ensured that Austin was, um, you know, fracked and packed with tons of Republicans in rural Texas to dilute the voice. And, you know, I don't know if that will continue because we've had such a population surge, but I, I'm not going to hold it past them. Uh, again, if they're, the way that they play the game is to change the rules on everybody to ensure that they stay in power and it disenfranchises everybody. And it's a 10, it's a 10 year game. I mean, in 2011, uh, the, the population should have been democratic. The, the, the leadership should, should have been democratic. And of course, Democrats lost over a thousand seats in state legislatures across the country because God forbid we actually fund uh, state parties and recruit Obama. But with that being said, that was 10 years ago and that was a 10 year investment. We're moving into another 10 years, another 10 year investment. And this is the game they're playing as, as with the, the voter suppression laws, knowing that the population is shifting, um, not just, you know, as some of these Republicans are saying, like with immigration, but just in terms of age, the, the population is shifting. It's becoming more progressive. Um, and this is the only way that they can keep up. Uh, in your, are there, let, let's shift gears just for a second, because I'm curious to, to hear like your experiences with, um, with running, I mean, running in Texas as a progressive is, uh, we've talked to Mike Siegel before, you mentioned Austin and, and his district was one of those districts that yeah. had a very rural, weird sl slice that he had to somehow cover. Um, but I mean, if, if that race, I think a lot of people had hoped that he would uh, pull through and prove that progressives can win in red districts. Um, but I, I'm, I'm a big believer in like, there's different types of red districts, right? There's populist red districts where progressive message might work. Oh, hello there, Kitty. Yeah. <laughs> and there are, um, it's COVID, we're used to it. Uh, and then there, there are red districts that just, you know, they'll hear socialists and they'll tune it out. I mean, what was your experience like running as a progressive in Texas? Well, it's so funny because I will say that I feel like my 2018 and my 2020 runs were so vastly different because of coronavirus. And we made some really big inroads in 2018, both Mike and I. I mean, Mike got very close in 2018 within like five percentage points. Um, we took a 21 point margin that was seen in 2016 between the Republican and Democrat, we shaved 12 percentage points off of that. So we brought it down to a less than 9% uh, differential. And I will say that it was because both Mike and I could focus on field. We could run a true ground game, talk to people on their front porches. We had very little in terms of financial resources. Nobody was investing in our districts because they thought they were you know, lost causes. And they certainly, uh, I would say democratic leadership and establishment didn't want two progressives um, coming on board in Congress. And so, you know, very little in terms of financial resources were spent in our respective districts, but we ran amazing field programs. And I think if we had been able to do that in 2020, and we were trying to do the responsible thing and acknowledge that we are in a public health crisis, um, follow the protocols of social distancing and avoiding contact with other humans that aren't part of your household. If we hadn't experienced coronavirus, or let's say our administration had actually done something about coronavirus early on to mitigate the damage, um, that we know that wasn't in, in Trump's plan, I, I really think we would have seen very different outcomes in 2020. And, and Republicans continued to, to block walk, they continued to canvass, um, you know, obviously they were not adhering to any of the public health protocols and, and safety measures. They were denying that it was even a, a virus. 
uh, or even a, a separate virus, separate from the flu, um, I think we would have seen very, very different outcomes because I, I think having those conversations on people's porches, they work. You change hearts, you change yeah. minds, you in, inspire people and empower people to go vote. And, and not only that, I mean, not only do progressives have to rely on that, um, simultaneously, the other candidates are who are well-funded are buying ads and so, and can, you know, pay for more mail and all the things that uh, they just leaned on, leaned in on um, even more heavily. Uh, it, it was frustrating. It's like, how do you fight that? Well, and it's funny because the Democratic Party, the National Democratic Party wants to run the same old campaign style, which is in raise tons of money, invest in our consultants, put your TV ads up, find your mailing mail consultant, find your pollster, right? Invest. It, it's almost like a pyramid scheme, quite honestly. And I say that. Oh, it's absolutely a pyramid yeah. scheme. Who are you talking to right now? Yes. Right. It's, and I say that as somebody who yeah. went from 2018, both Mike and I became DCCC candidates. Um, but it's their, their way Meaning, of doing just, things to, just to clarify for folks. So, so they oh, yeah. became DCCC candidates because they won the primary. So suddenly when you win a primary, the DCCC gets behind you just to make that clear. Well, and if you raise enough money, I will say they weren't interested in seeing it in 2018 because neither one of us cared about raising money. <laughs> like, like we just got to go talk to people on their porches. Um, but, you know, we were the kind of the known quantity in 2020. We had already gone through an election cycle. And so they were very interested. They thought Texas was going to turn, but you can't turn Texas if you're not willing to invest in field and invest in having the conversations. It's a much harder way of campaigning. It's old school campaigning. It's much easier to say, I'm going to spend a million dollars on a, a TV consultant who's going to put an ad up for me. Uh, and again, it makes the, the DCCC consultants a lot of money. So it's not a way to win elections, though. You might be able to hang on to safe Democratic seats, but it's not a way to win competitive seats. And, you know, I, I think that we need to fundamentally examine how the Democratic Party is running elections in the United States. It, it seems that there was no cohesive economic message in 2020. It was like, talk about pre-existing conditions. Well, most of the population doesn't even understand what that means. Um, we should be talking about jobs. We should be talking about green jobs. We should be talking about ensuring that folks who are moving from the oil and gas sector are guaranteed jobs in the renewable energy space. Right. And we didn't do that. And so, you know, again, they want to run the the same old plan that they've always had and it loses them elections. And in Texas, it's lost them elections for 40 years. Yeah. Yeah. LBJ would be uh, is, is turning in his grave, uh, knowing that they're not doing just traditional uh, politics. Right. He's, yeah. His his fear was losing the South for a generation. Uh, <laughs> I think these consultants have lost the South for much more than that. Uh, Julie, if, if folks want to check out um, you know, and help out in any way, what can they do? So registertovote.org is a fabulous, um, if, if you can donate to it, we are a nonprofit, so please donate. But the other thing that you can do, there's a really fun um, application called Map the Vote, and it's just a website you go to, mapthevote.org. If you want to see if your neighbors are registered to vote, go to mapthevote.org. It will geolocate you. Um, you'll sign in and it'll geolocate you and it'll show you the homes that are around you where there are likely unregistered voters. So Fantastic. if you're looking for something to do on a Saturday or Sunday, mapthevote.org. Um, there you and go. Let's get some folks registered to vote. I love it. Fantastic. Julie Oliver, Executive Director of Register to Vote with the two, number two. Go check it out. And hopefully she runs again. She says no, but we'll see. 
you know, there's some redistricting that's got to happen in Texas, guys. It's a, it's a tough fight. So take that into consideration. And if you're thinking about running, take that into consideration. It's the first conversation I have with everybody is take a breath, figure out what the lines are going to look like, because it could be very complimentary or not so. And it's, it's, it's tough to say. But Julie, thanks for running. Thanks for doing this work. And thanks for informing us about what's happening in Texas. Thank you. And happy Friday. Happy Fem Friday. That's right. <laughs> All right, everybody, we'll be right back. We have a fabulous panel here. Brianna Westbrook is here and Lauren Ashcraft. Uh, both have run for Congress. Oh my gosh, it's a congressional show. I just realized that. Uh, they'll be, we'll be right back, right after a real quick break. The No Mickey Show. The No Mickey Show. You guys know that I talk about CBD all the time. In fact, just a couple days ago, I was talking about how I was getting a rash on my arm um, or skin, sea lice. I don't really know what it was, to be honest. And it's still got some bumps, but I immediately put on my Sunset Lake CBD salve with Arnica and it went down and it calmed my arm down. Um, I'm hoping it was just a rash. I'm hoping that when uh, my friend threw me into the ocean, which I do not believe in going into the ocean unless you can see your feet. This is a personal thing. It's not because of sharks. It's because of everything. I don't want jellyfish. You're all looking at me like I'm crazy. I don't like going in the ocean unless I can see the bottom of the ocean. That's it. And the reason is, is I once got sea lice. And then of course I like I got sea lice. So Sunset Lake CBD uh, definitely has made my arm feel a lot better, but it is because Sunset Lake CBD is a farmer owned company. They do craft CBD. I didn't believe in CBD before I tried their products. They sent them to that to us. I tried them out and I am a fan. This is no joke. They have all types of products. Every single one I have really enjoyed from the coffee, the gummies, the gummies. Oh my God, I'm addicted to the gummies. The salves, which I just told you about. The tincture. I use the tincture. Anytime I'm feeling a little stressed, I just put some of my coffee, my tea, whatever. It helps me go to sleep, have deep sleep, uh, deals with stress and aches and pains. It's an incredible product. And I think there's good juju because they actually uh, shifted a dairy farm, a Ben and Jerry's dairy farm, into a premium hemp uh, farm, I guess is that's how you would say it. So when you are supporting Sunset Lake CBD, you're actually supporting sustainable agriculture that enhances rural communities and of course creates meaningful uh, employment in those communities because they pay their workers $15 an hour and the employees own the majority of the company. And they also invest in shows like ours, independent media. This is the last day though, guys. They've been doing this 420 sale. It's the last day. So go to sunsetlakecbd.com and you can get 30% off your purchase if you put in 420, the number 420, 420. This is the last day of their 420 sale. You get 30% off. It's huge. And they also have this new product for those who have dogs. They have dog biscuits and I don't know, Sam Cedar said he was gonna eat one because it's like basically just, there's nothing artificial in it. It's 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 peanut butter, pumpkin and oat flour. I'm gonna let him try that out. Um, I don't know, Dorsey, do you have any words about the dog biscuits? Do you do you wanna try a dog biscuit? Should I we have a, I do should we do a try, bet? I, no, I'm, I'm, I'm good, I'm good on that, but. <laughs> wow, you're, you're a real risk taker there, Dorsey. <laughs> yeah, I'm okay, I don't, I no, no dog biscuits for me, but um yeah i heard that sam ate it actually he, oh, he did he's not considering did. it i think it actually went through and he did I, I, I didn't hear i haven't heard the the review i didn't hear anything bad you know but he was very curious about it so he ate it so there you go hey whatever you know 
Whatever you get your kicks off of. Someone man. in the chat said Sam was a good boy, so he got Sam it. was a good boy. Good boy, Sam. Good boy, Sam. You did such a good <laughs> I won't exactly. I'm, I'm I literally like I'm fine. I'm fine. I'll just take some peanut butter and I'll put some C B D in it. Sounds I'll great stick to me. To the gummies. Those are too good, you know. I I know, I know. I have two. They're too good. I usually have two and it's just like You okay. do two? I will eat like yeah, six because of I them. Well that's oh I can't do no. I no, mean, not because like, the C. I want that much CBD, but because they're so good. Yeah, yeah, no, I know. I'm, I like. I know what I'll be in for. That's why I'm saying I'll have two because I know I'm going to have one, and you know because I want the CBD, and then I'm going to have another one because I want a gummy. You know, so I'm just like, all right, I'm going to be. You need relaxed. to get a bag of gummies with the CBD. Like, just have it separately because it, you know, warms you up. No, I give that advice, and it never works out. So. <laughs> All right, go check out Sunset Lake CBD at sunsetlakecbd.com. Right now, today is the last day of their 30% off 420 sale. Go type in 420. You will get 30% off of your entire order. And if you don't make it in time and you still want to order something tomorrow, you'll get 20% off of your order if you type in Nomi, N-O-M-I. Go check out sunsetlakecbd.com. And is our panel here? Um, I think we have our panel. Yes, we do. They've been so patient and so lovely. Uh, and I'm going to do everybody's intro while we do this because we're doing a different type of show today. This is Fem Friday, as you all know, and we have two, actually two former congressional candidates. And we just had another uh, congressional candidate. Not intentional. It just sort of happened that way. Very exciting. I realized it halfway through the show. Lauren Ashcraft ran for Congress in New York's 12th district. That is my district. It's where I live, currently held by Carolyn Maloney. She's a board member and volunteer at the Women's March Alliance. She is the founder of Collection Box Comedy, and she is the host of a new show called Biting Commentary. Lauren Ashcraft, welcome to the show for the first time. And then we have Brianna Westbrook. Brianna Westbrook is the vice chair and executive committee member for the Arizona Democratic Party. She is a former political director of Equality Arizona. And she is actually the first transgender person to be elected as a vice chair of a state in the Demo a state's Democratic Party. I'm not surprised by that, given all of our... Uh, <laughs> commentary about the Democratic Party. She was also a 2020 national surrogate for Bernie Sanders uh, and was the co-chair of the Arizona campaign. Thank you for joining us today. Oh my gosh, I'm so excited to be here. Thank you for having me. Of course. All right, so I, I want to start off, um, you know, Brianna's on. I have been watching her hot takes on Kirsten Cinema. We all have a lot of opinions about Kirsten Cinema, so it's not just an Arizona topic. Lauren, you can jump in if you'd like. Um, let's just start with her addressing uh, Arizona's largest business group about the PRO Act. The PRO Act, of course, is one of these transformational bills that will uh, there's so much union pressure and working people pressure um, to support the PRO Act, PRO Act so we can have stronger uh, labor laws, so we can end right to work. And of course, Arizona is a right to work state. So wouldn't it be incredible if a Democrat, a senator who was once a Green Party member, uh, I don't know, support an incredibly popular bill called the PRO Act that even Joe Manchin supports. Let's play that clip. There is some concern right now in the business community, as you've probably heard, uh, an issue that our friends at the Arizona chapter of the Associated General Contractors wanted me to bring up with you, that uh, there's a bill that passed the House, the PRO Act. Uh, give us a sense, as this bill makes its way to the Senate, where you uh, intend to be on this. We know it's an evolving issue. And if you'd be willing to have a 
a discussion with employers in Arizona about our concerns about this bill being a disruption to the workplace and to our business environment? Well, I would welcome such discussion. As folks who are listening today know, the way I make decisions on behalf of Arizona and for our constituents is by listening to the business leaders who will be impacted by these decisions. So I want to discuss this legislation and I want to know the impact it would have on Arizona jobs and the economy. Now, there hasn't been any movement on the PRO Act yet in the United States Senate, but I can tell you that many Arizona businesses have already reached out to my office and I know have discussed the concerns that they have with the PRO Act with some of the folks who are on our call today. Now, right now, this legislation is not scheduled to become to come before the full Senate, but we are watching carefully because some of the PRO Act provisions, especially in regards to the worker classification test for independent contractors, could become a part of other legislative ideas. So I would ask all the members who are joining us today to please stay involved with my office and help me by sharing information about how this would impact you and your company so that I can go back to Senate uh, leadership and folks on both sides of the aisle to discuss the concerns that Arizona businesses have. Oh, interesting. Interesting. Guys, it's just about Arizona businesses. It's not about this country. It's not like she's only representing Arizona businesses. It's Brianna, you're part of a business. What's your take? Uh, my, my take is we should be passing the PRO Act and the fact that um, cinema is making her rounds with the pro business community, basically asking them to organize to help me vote no on this is basically what that says. And if you look at that clip and if you listen to it over again, one word is not included in all of that workers. Um, it doesn't even get mentioned once. And that there, there's a, there's a reason for that um, in that when she says it, um, she's clearly reading talking points. It looks like that she was given. Um, what's funny too, is a little bit later on, um, there was a YouTube video that was posted as well, because I guess there was some breakout sessions. Um, she and another call on the same day, um, mentioned that basically she was the concierge for the business community. I, I retweeted it a, a couple days ago. So if you haven't heard that, go back and listen to it. But it, it's really disgraceful because I know for a fact, as somebody that ran for Congress in the, in, in the state of Arizona, that all of the labor unions here in Arizona, when she ran for Congress, asked her where she stood on repealing right to work um, in the state of Arizona. That was one of the questions on the questionnaire. I can guarantee you with the UFCW, um, with the AFL-CIO, with SMART, um, and all the other labor unions out here in Arizona that have been fighting for decades to get that right-to-work law path, um, repealed. And the fact that she is doing this now that she's in the Senate, like she's just completely forgot who the people are that sent her there to begin with. Um, I retweeted yesterday um, a comparison between her 2012 contributions for top donors and her current ones. And you'll notice there's union names on that first run that she had. Um, so she took their money, she got into government with their support, and now she's giving them the cold shoulder. It's disgraceful. And, you know, the thing is, she doesn't even need to do this. That's, she could that's, be a hero. That's the question that I'm, I mean, it's so funny because she's, Arizona has this like weird obsession with like John McCainism and being a maverick. You know, it was maverick, I'll give him like a little bit, just a little bit. I know everyone's going to come for me. But what made him a quote unquote maverick is every once in a while, every once in a while, I'd be like, wow, the Republicans are going too far. I'm going to side with the people. She's doing just the opposite. She's like, I'm just going to side with the Arizona contractors. Like what the? Lauren, um, 
Yeah, Aside I, from I, Arizona politics. What does this have <laughs> this impact on the nation? Uh, your senator, Chuck Schumer, uh, you think he might have some power in, in pressuring her, maybe if he really cared about unions? He's from a union state. Yeah, I think that I think that we're seeing total transparency, which is kind of impressive. Um, it goes back to that quote. Um, whenever someone shows you who they are, believe them the first time. Yeah. But somehow, I mean, this has happened thousands of times, and we're still trying to figure out if these politicians are on our side. And the simple answer is no, they are not. So it's it's more the question of what are we going to do about it? Kristen Cinema, Kirsten, I don't even Cinema. <laughs> um, she is not for workers. She's not for the people of Arizona. She's for the people that line her pockets. And um, and it's 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 really a shame that people like her have been elevated to such positions of power. But um, what we can do as voters and people is organize her out of a job. Yeah, we can organize her out of a job. We can also organize so that people like Chuck Schumer, who's like, I can't do anything. It's not like I have any power over the two senators who I literally control what committees they sit on, everything. Like, she's in office because Chuck chose her. And I like, I love this other element, and we're going to play another clip in a second or show something else that she did. But I love the other element of, like, Mark Kelly he's not taking the, and, and you know, he's, he's no progressive either, but like, he's not, he's not setting himself up to be a mansion as far as I know. Am I, have I missed something, Brianna? Is Mark Kelly, you know, getting ready to, to play the same game? Not, not at all. Um, in our communication with Kelly's office, cause we've actually built a coalition out here of different organizations, a broad tent of organizations um, representing a wide range of ideology on the left um, to push both senators um, to end the filibuster um, and to support the PRO Act. Um, Kelly's office has been more willing to engage in conversations with um, union leaders, um, from what I've been told. Um, he wants more information, which I don't understand why he would ask for that anyway, because the internet exists and he can get on the internet and get all the information that he wants. So I don't know why you would continue to ask for more information, um, because there's lots of information out there. And I'm sure he has a staff that he pays to do that. Um, but that's what we keep getting told by Kelly's office. Cinema's office has been a little bit more difficult to, to pin down on actual where she stands and how she's going to evolve. But it's interesting to see how they're both um, playing this. Um, and it's been like this for since the beginning of, of 2021 with the $15 minimum wage. Kelly voted for it. She voted against it. Right. Uh, let's let's actually get to that because it's not only that she voted against and curtsy, just so cute, just such a cute curtsy, such a cute curtsy when you have to, you know, vote against. No, no, I will not vote for the fifteen dollar minimum wage. I'm gonna go home now. <laughs> okay, so I say this because uh, she is now looking into raising the federal ma- federal minimum wage to. $11 an hour, guys. And in Arizona, it is, wait for it. What is it, Brianna? I know you know it. $12.15. Uh-huh. Interesting math. I, um, I'm i not one to normally quote Lindy Lee, but there she is on the screen. Uh, this is crazy cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. I don't know who this is working for, but what I love is we all saw that there was this um, picture she took where she's drinking, a, was it a margarita? Um, and she had a ring and it was, I don't want to be, I, I don't think I'm going to get pinged, but it was an F U ring, uh, or no F off ring. And so the, the, the people who make the ring, I love this trolling so much. The company behind cinema's F offering will donate all proceeds to fight for increasing the minimum wage to $15 an hour. That is their giant F off. It's beautiful. 
Beautiful. <laughs> I mean, but it's like, okay, you want to talk to business leaders? There's a business leader right there. <laughs> this is this is getting ridiculous. Um, but I mean, really, what, what is it going to take? Is it just is it just going to be uh, running somebody? Like, what is the what are the chances that she actually is vulnerable right now? I mean, what kind of candidate? I have my ideas, but uh, Brianna, you're on the ground in Arizona. What kind of candidate would need to run against Kirsten Cinema? to be able to garner the national donations, which are inevitably going to come in, but also the electoral math to actually win a primary and potentially a general. Um, we have a lot of great progressives. Um, there's some current people serving at the state legislature that I think would be great, like Senator Martin Casada. I love um, Martin. Oh, my goodness. He would be at the top of my list. Okay, he's sorry. Great. <laughs> um, he'd, he'd be at the top of my list, too. Um, somebody that has name ID and has built a reputation for passing progressive legislation or at least standing up for progressives and people, more or less, mm -hmm. not just progressives. Um, Martin has done that. Um, I think he'd be a great candidate. And there's probably somebody out there that, that hasn't stepped up to, to, um, to run yet. Um, I encourage them like a labor eater labor leader would be great. Um, and I have a few people in mind. I don't want to name drop anyone, but I think they'd be great. If they're tuning in, they know who they are because we've had conversations about running for office. Um, so it, yes, yeah, those would be my, those would be my picks. Lauren, you've run against a well-known woman, uh, Carolyn Maloney, and you know how hard it is to run against somebody who the establishment supports and, um, you know, it's a tough one because uh, in that race in particular, uh, because the district is, is is diverse and it's you're the district you ran in is um the upper east side as well so it's very wealthy mm -hmm. uh i think some of the dynamics are, are are seemingly similar with the senate race in kirsten cinema and that okay if someone's going to run they've they've got to like understand they're going to have like emily's list power against them the dscc against them so how do you uh w what would you say as someone who's done this what kind of candidate um should we be looking for basically we're just scouting on air no big deal <laughs> um, i mean i i love uh, brianna's idea of a labor leader i think that's an incredible reason to fight against cinema is her direct attacks on workers in the state and across the country um i also think we need somebody who's going to inspire people to vote if they if they haven't in 10 years um and the last few elections have been really upsetting in terms of um, if you're really passionate about a candidate, it's easy to see your voice get squashed. But the thing is, somebody who can remind them that every single vote matters and that it matters that they get to the polls and it matters that people give them one dollar. Because if 300,000 people give them one dollar, it truly goes to good use. So um, I think it, it just has to be somebody who really has um, a, a movement already kind of behind them. Um, and I, I say the same about, I would love to see Chuck Schumer primary, but it has to be somebody that has name recognition already. Um, yeah. This is not a time to build your platform for the first time. We, right. we actually have to get these people out of office. And also, um, it's not just that, it's that you, when you have the reason why Cynthia Nixon, it was such a big deal is she was able to get earned media, which is very hard. So whatever she couldn't do in terms of ads and raising the money to buy the ads, and she did eventually, but she was running against somebody with a massive war chest and massive name ID. And, you know, and, and we know what the results were, but she, but she transformed the conversation mm -hmm. um, and helped, you know, get the IDC out. But it's the same thing. It's like, look at, um, they, they need to be able to kind of do some things that, an average person, uh, it's, it's just very hard on a statewide level. Speaking of name ID, I want to talk about um, the guy who ran for president now could potentially be our mayor, 
who has a tremendous name ID with with uh, folks who are likely voters in New York City. And of course, I'm talking about Andrew Yang. <laughs> yeah. And I'm ready for the trolls, guys, because they come in <laughs> every single time. So Andrew Yang, I love following him because he knows so little about so much. Um, <laughs> if I had the confidence of an Andrew Yang man, and it's just, and the press just is like, no big deal, we're just gonna, like, they've treated him with kid gloves. And now, you know, people are starting to realize that he's not necessarily um, the nice guy they thought. Andrew Yang has made offensive, pandering remarks focused on parades and gay bars to a prominent LGBTQ group that he is seeking an endorsement from. Uh, Members also said that he failed to address substantive issues uh, they were concerned with, including homelessness. This is a big deal in New York. Uh, These endorsements make all the difference because the um, special elections are, excuse me, special elections, because uh, turnout is very, I was in a special election. I just like went back into my programming of New York City running. (laughs) Because turnout is extremely low in general (laughs) in New York City. So these endorsements can mobilize folks. And it's, you know, people are super sensitive, super tuned into politics in New York, very educated voters for um, these elections. And, and now we have ranked choice voting. So uh, this is this is a big deal. Um, this was the Stonewall Democratic Club of New York. I'm going to start with Lauren. What What's your, your take on on Yang and his momentum and, and his continuous disparaging comments and to everybody? <laughs> Um, well, first of all, I will say I'm so I'm all in on Diane Morales. Um, mm-hmm. She really inspires me as as a person. And I've gone we've gone through the whole battle of being a woman running for office and know that it's very uphill for her. So um, if you're listening, check out Diane Morales. <laughs> That's just me and my personal endorsement. Um, Andrew Yang, I've met him, spoken face-to-face. I think as a human, he's compassionate and um, has has a lot of ideas. He can make eye contact. (laughs) People know him. I think the thing that I'm worried about is I'm, sometimes I think people realize that like Trump and Biden won with a lot of gaffes and constant media. And sometimes I'm worried like Liz Smith is on his team, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. She knows what she's doing. <laughs> Liz Smith, um, just, just for folks who don't know, um, she's a very well-known uh, press person, a press operative. She was uh, working with uh, Pete Buttigieg, and she, she's very well-known in New York. She's worked for de Blasio. Full disclosure, I, I am friends with her, so I, you know, step aside. Yeah. But she knows what she's doing. She's very smart, very smart. Yeah, she knows what she's doing. And I think um, he's getting constant media. And that's that's really what I'll say is, like, um, I, I think one of the things is, is we, we, we as a society can focus on him a lot and, and we eat the, the gaffes up and everything. But meanwhile, like Diane's out on the streets protesting and fighting with the people, fighting with the workers. Mm-hmm. And she's a single mom who came out against her um, previous employer, um, who's not the best landlord in the city of New York. So I think um, I have a lot of thoughts. And I think maybe we're falling into a trap of of the purposeful Yang press campaign. 
Well, it's also the cameras get in front. I mean, once you start to get uh, that, I mean, 50% of voters haven't decided yet, but once you're you're leading by double digits, then people just start following you around. It's a self, totally. you know, uh, it's, it's a it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. Mm-hmm. Brianna, um, you know, you remember Yang, of course, from the presidential race. Uh, what are your takes on on <laughs> his comments? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Lauren really summed up Yang great. He's he's got a lot of good ideas, particularly just UBI. That's all I mm-hmm. care about is universal basic income. But mm-hmm. I don't understand why he's running for mayor in the first place. Didn't he just like randomly like move to New York and decide to run for mayor? I don't know the whole backstory being, you know, an overview yeah. out here in Arizona. But everybody that I talk to in New York is involved in movement politics or progressive politics is completely turned off by him. And he continues to continue to make these gaffes over and over and over. And Lauren is 110% right. And the news and the, and the media continues to report these things. So it's just continuing to build his name ID for the race. And that's why Donald Trump won. Um, it's They do these things for the clicks and they don't care about the people that are um, potentially affected by the people that are put in office through their more or less um, surveillance capitalism. They want to continue yeah. to surveil us and get us to click on things. Um, so I, uh, I hope he doesn't win. Um, but... Let's I'm going to I'm going to go out and say I'm going to fact check this. I don't think they're gaffes. I think this is him. A gaffe is a mistake. A gaffe is misstating something. A gaffe is mixing up words. This is somebody who literally has said offensive things about different communities and laughed in the face of people making disparaging comments about women. Um, it's horrifying. And it's 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 a you know, it's also an indication as somebody who's been the recipient of New York press corps uh, sexism um, and unfairness. It's it's an indication of just how they treat men um, versus women and specifically progressive women. All right, I'm going to switch gears real quick and wait for the siren to go by because hello, America. Uh, we have another announcement, a political announcement, dot, 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 in a potential runoff that could happen in California. Um, Caitlyn Jenner has announced that she is running for governor of California. She has, of course, uh, she is a Republican um, in the past I think very early in in the, the presidential campaign in 2016, she was supporting um, she was supporting uh, Donald Trump, and this is all if Gavin Newsom's the recall against Gavin Newsom actually takes place, and it seems like it might. Oh boy, Brianna's already laughing. Thoughts, thoughts and prayers. Thoughts then prayers. I despise Caitlyn Jenner. Um, I actually have a, a story about Caitlyn Jenner too. She came into town um, a few years back. Um, basically just for photo op. She came in and donated some money to some local trans organizations, literally like a couple of weeks prior to, I think it was Trump's military ban on trans people. And she came here looking for like good press because everybody was calling her um, on her hypocrisy because she like supported Donald Trump and she did not come out in opposition to Donald Trump until the tax cuts and jobs act was passed until that she got her tax cut. Um, she did not say any word about Donald Trump. But she came into town um, and she asked to speak at our trans rights rally when we were talking about voting. And her press assistant reached out to me and ended up blocking me on Twitter because I wasn't going to let her come into our rally and just basically steal the light from all these great LGBTQ community leaders. Um, And I ended up getting blocked. Um, Caitlyn Jenner just wants attention. That's all she wants. Um, And this, this is truly, truly just another thing that she is doing to make headlines and remain relevant in some capacity. And she's an absolute joke. Um, I support her as a trans person, like live you and be you. Um, But your politics, um, no. 
they're also just not reflective of, of her own life. I mean, at all, at all. So, so what I'm thinking here is reading into the recall effort a little bit. Um, many are saying that the recall effort is an effort by the Republican party of California to revive itself. They've actually, this last election, they did fairly well. Um, in terms of flipping back a few seats, well, the Democrats just sucked all around, but like they were able to win back a few congressional seats, but you know, California is, is far more progressive than the Reagan years, right? Than the Nixon years. And some people think that this is an opportunity. The recall is a voter registration effort. It's an effort to get Republic, revive the Republican party and somewhere farm and tap into like some of the independents. And by her running, it's like reestablishing the Republican Party as this more socially liberal, fiscally conservative party, which is literally what she says she is. Um, maybe that's like my political operative hat on right now. But uh, Lauren, I mean, it's Caitlyn Jenner, the future of the Republican Party. <laughs> I think what the, there's really nothing we need less in this country of is Republican reality TV stars. Um having jurisdiction over the rest of our lives. <laughs> so like, I, I, love, I love her journey as a trans woman. Um, so support that, go you. But please, <laughs> I don't want a Republican to be the governor of California or the governor of any state really. Um, and uh, just really coming from reality TV that does not give you the experience you need to help elevate the people of California from poverty, disenfranchisement, marginalization, um, economic disaster, this pandemic, the list goes on. Where, what are your creds? Yeah, I mean, you think that they would run, up, run somebody who's the antithesis of, of Gavin Newsom, but... Uh it's this is gonna be interesting um what will her slogan be like i'm running like and with like her i don't know i'm trying to think of something make california great again yeah oh yeah there you go Brandon westbrook love you lauren ashcraft love you thanks for joining us for fem friday and uh i love that everybody on this show today has run for office unsuccessfully but we run for office high five <laughs> Hi, hi. <laughs> hey, you win elections other ways than just at the ballot box. You yes. win it by changing the conversation too. Um, yes. So we- uh, Oh, we, you we all inspire me. <laughs> I love it. Well, thanks for joining us. And I'm going to give some shout outs to our crew here. Thank you to everybody who is in the super chat. We got Kyler Sato says, can confirm Lauren was so excited to be on here. Isn't she from West Virginia too? Oh yes, we didn't even talk about mansion. Like that would have been the perfect, duh. Next time, Lauren. We'll, we'll, yeah, we'll... I would love to talk about West Virginia. Okay. Next time we're doing a whole mansion one. And Brianna, you can come back and we can play this. This Let's can be our it. new thing. Like who's holding up the Senate today? <laughs> Let's do it. Love it. <laughs> All right, everybody in the live chats, thank you for mixing it up. Uh, this is Femme Friday. I got to rush out a little bit early today. I apologize to all, uh, but thank you to Midi Docs, Mario C, and everyone working their algorithms, our YouTube moderators, Bob C, Choke in the Orb, and Chuck Diesel. And over on Twitch, our means, Nug Wrangler, A Difficult Truth, and Dorian Sapiens. Thanks for keeping the chat rooms troll free. Uh, I'm sure there's more coming. I'm not going to stop dunking on Yang. It's just fun. It's not fun. It's actually very scary. I, I, you know, I'm a New Yorker. I would like to have a mayor that um, knows all the department, knows the Department of Sanitation. I'll just leave it at that. <laughs> all right, everybody, stay in solidarity. We will see you on Tuesday.